0: And welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark, a very timely book interview with Dr. William Donohue, CEO of the Catholic League. His new book, "War on Virtue: How the Ruling Class Is Killing the American Dream," published by Crisis Publications through Sophia. Always great to see you, Bill, and have you here on Bookmark.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me, Doug.
0: Now this book is incredibly timely, uh, War on Virtue, and I think one of the great insights you have into this book is, answers a lot of questions where people try and figure out what is exactly going on in society, and you really put your finger on that whole idea of the elites. How did you come upon that?
1: Well, of course, as a sociologist, I've been looking at this subject for a long, long time. One of my areas was political sociology, another area was stratification, which is basically the study of inequality. And I've been looking at, you know, why is it that some people succeed and others don't? We can get onto that. But in terms of the elites, yeah, the elites, the ruling class, they're the people who are the decision makers running our major institutions. Now, it used to be up until fairly recently that you had this kind of left-wing, woke uh, ideology, which was uh, current in the, uh, in the arts, in education, the media, the entertainment industry, uh, the legal activist organizations like the ACLU. What's gotten worse, and this is only in recent times, you now have the corporate 500, you have the healthcare industry, the titans, and you have the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the tops of the military uh, in, in, in all the branches of the armed forces. I'm not talking about the average doctor or nurse or guy who works in a corporation or army man or, and woman. I'm talking about the elites at the top. They have gone full-throated left and they are working against the best interests of this country Uh, And it's it's stunning to me as a sociologist to see that this has happened so quickly.
0: Right. That's the amazing part is how quickly these things have cascaded. You start off the book talking about 1931, the concept of the American dream. And you go to point out that the policy of the left are making it increasingly difficult for millions. So-called progressivism has proven to be one of the most regressive forces in the country. Why is that the fact? Why is it not progressive, well, you, why is it regressive?
1: If you look, for example, at the Black family, and I've studied this issue for a long time, yes, there were problems going back to slavery, and and, and after that, and during Reconstruction, and during the late 19th and the in the early 20th century. However, the Black family was mostly resilient, as recently as the 1950s. If you want to see when and why the Black family crashed, where you now have an outer wedlock rate of about 70%, much higher in certain neighborhoods, that began in the 1960s. Mm. And had was no economic need in the 60s for a massive welfare program. In the 1930s, there was, you had the Great Depression. But in the 1960s, the unemployment rate for the country was 3.5%, it was 4% for blacks. That's virtually no unemployment. It was the idea that that blacks, the ruling class, decided they can't really make it on their own. So we're gonna push them across the finish line and we're going to give them welfare and dependency and it destroyed them. Now, some people said, well, some of these things were well-intentioned. That's true. Some of the decision makers were well-intentioned. Others were not. And I mentioned Francis Fox Piven and Richard Cloward, a a husband and wife couple from Columbia University which pushed these ideas on Mayor Lindsay and New York and others to intentionally make New York City go bankrupt, then the federal government would step in and create socialism. My point is they mm-hmm. use blacks as pawns for their political game and they helped to destroy the black family. That's just one example. There are other examples, crime, right. education and others.
0: Right, right. That, uh, that you, you gave me chills remembering Mayor Lindsay having grown up in New York. So you also say here the making of American Dream and the attempts of being made to thwart it are the subject of this book. The American Dream cannot be realized without the exercise of core virtues, virtues that the ruling class is committed to subverting. Why is the ruling class against these virtues?
1: Well, they're against them for for a selective group of population. They're not against them for their own people. First of all, let me just mention the virtues. I studied why is it that some people are a success and others are not. And I also looked at certain demographic groups, such as Asians and Jews and Mormons and Nigerians. They are far and away the most successful, economically speaking, and in terms of educational achievement. Now, they have what I call the vital virtues. They practice self-discipline, also known as self-control or impulse control. They practice a sense of personal responsibility and they exercise perseverance, or what psychologists call grit. Mm -hmm. If you have those virtues, you are likely to be a success in any area. I don't care whether you're a piano player or a professional basketball player or a dentist. If you have those virtues, you're likely to be a success. Now, the Mm -hmm. ruling class, I have argued, they are the ultimate racist in our society. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the well-educated white people who run the major institutions, they have effectively given up on black people, saying you're not equal like us, and only with our help through reparations and holding Asians back and dumbing down uh, the educational standards, equity education as they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, When I worked in Spanish Harlem with black and Puerto Rican kids in a dangerous neighborhood, when I worked as a college professor as the faculty advisor to the basketball team, I've worked with a lot of African-Americans. Yes, they come to the table handicapped, not because of racism and discrimination. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. They come to the table handicapped because they come from one-parent families. And As I point out in the book, I come from a one-parent family. Right. And, and yes, I was in trouble a lot, too. The problem is not race that drives the crime rate high amongst African-Americans. It's the fact that they come from fatherless families. And, and so if you look at what the elites are saying is, you can't cut it. You can't do it on your own. I treated blacks as equal. I knew they came from tough quarters. But instead of dumbing the bar down, I did my best to help them clear it. That's what a person who really believes in equality believes, that everybody can succeed. You may have to try harder with some groups than other, others because they've been disadvantaged. But when you give up on them, mm. Charles Murray said it in 1988, He said, this is the custodial democracy. The white liberal elites are taking charge, and they're treating black urban people the way we have the Indians, the new wards of the state.
0: Okay. Now, you also point out, as you said, self-discipline, personal responsibility, perseverance. uh, You know, that's what you need to succeed. It doesn't mean that they guarantee success, but without it, you're guaranteed failure. And you talk about a scale of values, but you also bring up patriotism. How does that fit in?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we live in a country today, and I'm a veteran of uh, honorably discharged during the Vietnam War period from the United States Air Force. And yeah, if you believe, if you love a, of America, as you do, Doug, and the people at EWTN who are watching, uh, as, as most Americans do, you're concerned about the, the degree to which we're teaching young people beginning in the pre-K ages to hate America. And that's what this is, the Hate America campaign. Critical race theory is all a lie. All based on the lie that we live in systemic racism and nobody can get ahead and whitey is going to the new back and the like uh, and i quote no end to black scholars to make my point it's not just bill donahue uh, opining here as you know as i always do i have hundreds of footnotes right. i make sure i give attribution and i'm not taking some crazy right-wing source this is taken from scholarly material and uh, what's going on here so yeah you, you've got a serious problem there and 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 uh, it, my hope is that uh, it. Right.
0: Now, in why virtue matters, one of the things you point out, success is not a function of luck. Luck, and I was thinking, it seems like a lot of people have been convinced that basically you have what you have because you were born white, or you were born rich, or you were born this, and so it is a matter of luck. But you're saying it's not.
1: No, it's not. No question about it. You 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 know where luck does figure into it, and I don't want to get too technical here because I know this summary pretty well if there's any if, if, if there if luck plays a role it's within the same family in other words the brother might do well the sister might not do well or vice versa and sometimes it's a matter of happenstance and luck there but when you start looking at demographic groups just you one of the four groups i mentioned asians they come over to this country they don't even they don't understand a lick of english within no time their kid is a valedictorian Now, why do the Asians do so well in school and ultimately in the workforce? For one thing, they come from intact families, father and a mother. I didn't say two fathers. I didn't say two parents. They have a father and a mother, and they bring with them certain attributes that are not transferable. And they make sure that their kids do homework. Nobody does more homework, no demographic group in the country more than Asians. Blacks do the least amount of homework. Why? Because they come from one parent families and the mother is stressed out and it's very difficult for them to to get the kids disciplined to do it. The Chinese, for example, make sure that their kids learn the violin. Why? Do they expect them to go to the Juilliard School of Music? That's not the point. If you play the violin, you have to practice Mm -hmm. self-discipline. Self-discipline is one of the vital virtues. If you do that, it'll carry over to the homework and to success in, in life. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody is capable of possessing the vital virtues, but they're not inculcated
0: equally. Right. Now, you also point out, I thought it was interesting, you talk about Harry Truman in the book stops here. He took personal responsibility for his decisions and having to do with the atomic bomb. That seems to be one of the biggest problems we have today is that nobody wants to be responsible for their own
1: decisions. It's
0: not my fault.
1: Well, I, you, you see it all over our society. Mm. Uh, you, you, and, and we're teaching minorities. I mean, the president of the United States does not treat black people as equal. He gave that horrendous speech on May 13th uh, of this year uh, at Howard University, which he basically told blacks, you're all victims and you're all held back and you can't make it. Uh, when when Senator Tim Scott came out and said that he wants to run for president as a Republican, mm. he was criticized on The View by Jay, Jay Behar and, and all the others saying that, oh, what is he saying? That victim... Victimhood is bad. Well, yeah, victimhood is bad because it's a sense of inefficacy or mm-hmm. what the psychologists call a sense of powerlessness. If you teach people that you're a victim and you can't succeed, mm-hmm. you're not likely to. And that's why getting back to the patriotism element there, if you believe that America is is a horrible, racist, rotten country, why would you want to defend it? So the vital virtues do spill over into patriotism as well.
0: It's interesting, too, because you also talk about self-discipline, In fact that people who report themselves being self- more self-controlled are happier in their lives. And you talk about a quote that says, today's schoolchildren are C-students at best when it comes to self-control. And you also talk about your own experiences uh, with the sisters, and uh, you didn't even get ever get a satisfactory for conduct, right?
1: My poor mother, see, she she worked nights as a nurse, and so I never saw her during the week, only saw her on weekends. My father abandoned me when I was a little kid. And uh, my grandparents from Ireland. They came over to the Bronx and eventually to Long Island, and and they raised me, and, and, you know, they did the best job they could, my sister. Uh, But uh, it's interesting. I was always in trouble. I wasn't really a mean kid, but I was always a a smart aleck, quite frankly, always mischievous. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'd either get an S for conduct or a U unsatisfactory i never saw an s in my all my years uh, if you count kindergarten in nine years at st anne's in long island in garden city and then i went to high school my mother sent me to a military boarding school figured that might straighten me up it didn't i broke every rule there almost flunked out but i was suspended for conduct i wind up uh, going to st john's and queen's but i never went to the class half the time i went to the bar across the street poor richard's pub so they threw me out of that and now it's 1969 i'm in the air force and 66, uh, uh, mm-hmm. I'm in the Air Force in California at Christmas time, and I'm looking around like, I don't know, maybe one of these days I'll grow up. Fortunately, Doug, mm-hmm. I had been a big jazz aficionado. Mm-hmm. Now, how does this figure in? If you love jazz and you read Downbeat magazine and books about jazz, you can't help but read about the black experience. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't too happy about the way blacks were treated in this country. Bingo, we have the Civil Rights Movement. I dove right into it and because of jazz, and I just couldn't stop reading. Mm. And once I got serious about school, nobody could stop me. Now I was at the top of the class. So I've, I've, I've gone through this kind of gyration myself. And the reason I mentioned it is that mm. I want the audience to know if black kids are more likely to be involved in crime than, than white kids, it's because they come from one-parent families. It's not because of the color of their skin or they're black. Black kids coming from mm. middle-class families, Look, I mentioned the Asians and the Nigerians, right? right. They succeed. They're both people of color. You, the average white guy doesn't know the difference between a Nigerian and, and one of our own African Americans. It doesn't stop the Nigerians from succeeding, even if they're meeting discrimination. Why? Because they have the vital virtues, because they come from intact two-parent families.
0: Right. That's a priority in their culture that they came from. You say accountability, is a key component of personal responsibility. You go on to say, though, too often we reward irresponsible behavior. Isn't that our problem today? We we don't punish bad behavior; we reward it,
1: and we get more of it. You see it, you see it right where I am in New York City, and, and I dare say in, in other big cities across the country, mm. people. Can, it's almost as if crime is legal in New York. People can throw people into subways, and the cop is not finished filling out the paperwork. The guy's back out on the street. Uh, people are smoking marijuana all over the place people getting stoned, people complaining about going into Starbucks, they can't serve them because they're all spaced out, they forget to give back their credit card, there's no penalty for anything. People urinate, there's no penalty, the cops have been told to stand down, and nobody destroyed New York City, more than Bill de Blasio, the former mayor. He he, he basically allowed anybody to do what he want. they rioted the cities, they destroyed them. My whole area here by Penn Station, it's all boarded up still, all the hot food stations are boarded up, it's been a couple of years. And the tax revenues aren't there. This is all intentional. It's by design. This is the ruling class starting with the mayor of New York and, and all these DAs funded by George Soros who are letting people go. Uh, Gasco in Los Angeles, Bragg in New York City. They're all over the place. All right. Philadelphia, Chicago. And none of this is by mistake. This is by design. And that's, why, that's what's wrong with the ruling class. Some of them really hate America.
0: Now, in, in a section on virtue under fire, you talk about the assault on virtues and you talk about coming out of the turn of the century last century having to do with victorian uh you know virtues which today are disparaged but you you talk about the positive nature of it but that going away and the bourgeois virtues being knocked in the 20s now and and, and the attack beginning on the nuclear family was that kind of the lost generation uh, post-world War one kind of a thing where did that come from
1: Oh, you know, you had a a rough time before the Victorian virtues, and there was a lot of uh, moral corruption in England uh, Mm -hmm. during industrialization. Uh, And then there came, yeah, a period of asceticism, a period of sexual reticence. Uh, I'm not saying that everybody lived by it. Of course, there are people who break the rules. We know that. And some people (laughs) like to poke fun at them. But the bourgeois virtues are self-discipline and and perseverance and and, and many other things and and, and working hard and being self-reliant. Now, as I point out in the book, the Smithsonian Institute on African American History and Culture, Mm -hmm. as well as many of the schools, are now teaching that there is no such thing as the right nuclear family. Mm -hmm. They're not the blue chip family. It's all a lie. Black Lives Matter actually had on its website, they had to take it down, that we should destroy the nuclear family. There are people who are teaching our kids to, to, they want to destroy the nuclear family. And people say, bill that sounds kind of extreme. Read the book and see the see the attribution, mm. see the evidence. I don't shoot from the hip. I provide the evidence and the data.
0: Well, this always confuses me. And you mentioned when we make a fetish of individual rights, can it help but diminish interest in the concomitant responsibilities and you going to talk about excessive individualism. What I can't figure out is there's this excessive individualism, but yet there's there's this push for everybody to conform.
1: Isn't that interesting? Yeah, if there's radical individualism when it comes to people having, with, with their drug life and their sex life. Nobody wants to be told anything. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to wearing a mask during COVID, oh yeah, you have to wear your mask. Now they become very authoritarian. Uh, yeah, they're, 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 the the left is riddled with contradictions. And the reason they are, largely has to do with the fact there's no principles. Mm-hmm. If you're a principled person, you can kinda, of, there's a kind of linear understanding of what's happening. These people are just about what pleases me for the moment, so they can be radical egalitarians on the one hand, and radical individualists on the other hand. In one sense, it doesn't make any sense. But if it's all about me, 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 then now it begins to make sense.
0: Now, you say on the assault of morality, in a healthy society, some percentage of individuals may have their own quirky moral compasses, and we used to see them on the Jerry Springer show and on Phil Donahue, but you go on to say, but no society can exist without some moral consensus or general agreement about what is right and wrong.
1: That's exactly right. Nobody can go about society willy-nilly. I'm a sociologist. Society is held together through bonds, okay? Where people have to bend and bow to the dominant culture. The dominant culture is, consensus doesn't mean unanimity. It means general agreement. We, there has to be a general understanding. So when the light turns red, if you're, if you're a driver, you're supposed to stop and you're supposed to slow down when it's, when it's amber and you're supposed to go when it's green. If people make up their own minds about that, and sometimes they do as we've seen today, then you have moral anarchy. We are on the verge of moral anarchy in our society today. People, our society can either be based on its origins, which is the Judeo-Christian ethos. The ideas of right and wrong, of moral absolutes as found in the Ten Commandments and in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Mm -hmm. or you have, instead of that, you have everybody making up his, his or her own mind of their moral compass, that disintegrates. And by the way, this like it all devolves around one idea, that there's no such thing as truth. As I point out over and over again, there was a very famous person in the last century who, who came out and said, that's right, there's no such thing as truth. His name was Adolf Hitler.
0: Right. Absolutely. You, and you talk about in the section "Virtue Under Fire, you talk about the idea that brilliant policies that defied common sense. We know that. And you talk about the fact that what drives the ruling class is power and then I thought this was interesting, their careers and fortunes have to depend on the government. How so?
1: Yes. Whenever you're talking about the ruling class, you're inextricably talking about the role of the government because the government is the most powerful institution in society. And that's what this brings in the administrative state. This brings in the elites. They have an idea of you know, global warming and clean air and whatnot. They're going to tell you in New York City you can't have a gas stove. They're going to run your life they always know better than everybody else. We're just supposed to just shut up and be obedient little boys and girls and, and do what we're told to do. I am asking people not to be cynical of elites. I don't think that cynicism is a good thing. I am asking people to be skeptical. That's one of the answers I have in the book, be skeptical. Mm-hmm. If somebody says to you something which strikes you in the gut as incoherent, inconsistent, or just simply mad, mm-hmm. such as men get pregnant, and it comes from a Harvard Medical School panel, which is what they've said. Then you tr- you should trust your gut. The people with the alphabets after their name, PhD, MA, this and that, and Esquire. I'm not saying you should totally disrespect them, but they're the ones who have led us down this rabbit hole. They're the ones who told us that if you uh, that you had to wear, you have to, you have to practice social distancing until the riots took place, and then <laughs> 1,300 epidemiologists come out and say. Oh, you don't have to worry about social distancing because protesting racism is more important. And then you saw Whitmer in Michigan and you saw Newsom in, in, in uh, California and Hochul in New York and Pelosi in Washington are all going to parties. None of them are wearing masks. They played us as fools. They knew this was a joke. And, and so that's why I'm saying, you cannot trust these people the way we used to in the past. We've been lied to by the FBI. We've been lied to by the Joint case of staff. And so many other examples. You know, the Boston Children's Hospital—what they're doing to children, right. chemical castration—we've uh, got to be very, very skeptical uh, of, of what's going on with the elite decision makers. You
0: also make the, the point in uh, promoting racism that CRT, critical race theory, is incompatible with Catholic social teaching because it is designed to divide people. Explain.
1: Oh, without question. When you have uh, a six-year-old girl comes home and says, "Mommy, am I evil?" And she said, why would you ask that? Because my, my teacher said that because I'm white, I'm evil. When you have separate graduation uh, ceremonies at all the elite Ivy League schools, or at least most of them, I know they're doing it uh, at Harvard, Yale, Columbia, and others, separate graduation ceremonies for white people, black people, Asian people. This is the old idea about united we stand, divided we fall. There is a segment of the elites who want us to fall. They hate America, and that's what they're teaching here. And, and and that's why we have to wake up in this country and realize a lot of these things are not by mistake. They're by design. Right. That, that, that's
0: the part that's so scary. Uh, you quote uh, John M. McWhorter. Uh, uh, does not exaggerate when he says that being called a racist is but the equivalent to being called a pedophile. And then you go on to say in the 1980s, black anthropologists, two of them, Found that black students underperform to school in school partly because those who do well are teased for being white.
1: Yeah, isn't it amazing? A a, a black kid tries hard with all the uh, obstacles in his face, and now he's being punished because if he succeeds in school, he's just like whitey. So he'd be better off being illiterate, right? Now, I want to mention a guy here that most people never heard of because it's very uh, important in the book Jaws Fit You. Back in the 1850s, he was America's first sociologist. And he was a progressive, he was on the side of blacks, he was a left winger, and he was in favor of slavery. Mm -hmm. Now, how in the world can somebody say you're pro-black and in favor of slavery? What he said was this, blacks are basically incompetent, stupid people. Uh, You should read what he says. These are not my words, these are his words. They're they're, they're left, left alone to be like cannibals. Slavery is good for black people. They're the freest people in the world because everything is taken care of for them. If there's no slavery, says Fitzhugh, then they have to compete in a capitalist economy against the white people, but because they don't have what it takes to succeed, they're going to fail. And then that's that's just one guy. Mm -hmm. Then during during the progressive era, Richard Eli said the exact same thing. And then, as I mentioned earlier in the program, Charles Murray in 1988. So there is a perception here on the part of many people in the white well-educated elite. They mm-hmm. don't want to come out and say, uh, you know, they're, they're going to say, oh no, we're on the side of black people. Watch out. They've created more problems for black people, the ones who have said that you're, we have your best interest in mind. Right. Let black people make some of their own decisions instead of whitey making it for them.
0: Right. And well, just before we go, and this, uh, you references as California elites, but I think this quote probably uh, is it's throughout the country or throughout the world. When it comes to family, California elites tend to talk left, but live right. How so?
1: Oh, yeah, it's so interesting. They're great uh, sociologists out of Virginia, uh, Wendy Wang and, and Brad Wilcox. Uh, Wilcox has done fantastic work. They studied the elite out in California, and they live in two-parent families and the like. And then they see the kind of movies they're promoting and, and, the, and the politics they're endorsing. It's all destroying the family. Uh, they're the ultimate hypocrites. David Horowitz invited me out to California a number of years ago, and I got a chance to to, to talk to hundreds and hundreds of people in this enormous uh, facility. And uh, they're all Hollywood uh, producers and directors and and some actors and the like. And when I got a chance to speak, they're almost all on the left. I was a token conservative. I just looked at them and I said, you're all a bunch of phonies. I've never said anything like it. The room was silent. I said, let me be explicit all day long. I'm hearing you people say, I don't let my kids watch what we're producing. Mm. They're watching uh, Nickelodeon. I said, well, if shows that you're making aren't good enough for your kids, precisely whose kids are they good for? Right. The entire place was, was, was... the guy next to me said you're gonna to have to be escorted out of here with a bodyguard after, <laughs> right. after what you just said
0: <laughs> well those are the same people who want gun control but have three security guards so i mean yeah,
1: representative uh, Cory bush yeah
0: absolutely so we are out of time there's so much in this book we didn't get to war on virtue how the ruling class is killing the american dream highly recommend you pick it up through ew10's religious catalog ew10rc.com all things catholic Bill, keep up the great fight, and thank you so much for joining us here on EW10's Bookmark. We'll see you all next time. Thanks.